fantastic episode of continuing conversations where we talk about everything star trek adventures uh uh gaming whether it's social media whether it's the books whether it's the movies whatever it is i'm michael dismuke i'm a freelance writer for star trek adventures and a blogger on continuing missions which is the number one fan site for star trek adventures comic book or comic books oh well maybe one day maybe Maybe. one day (laughs) <laughs> I just spoke the I spoke the future. Okay, so Star Trek Adventures RPG, and let's introduce Jim Johnson. Hello, Jim Johnson. I am the project manager and line editor for the Star Trek Adventures RPG, published by Mo Diffius Entertainment, and uh, your co-host on this wonderful show. Fantastic. You have any great plans for this summer, Jim? We're we're going to be in July by the time this one comes out. Um. Work, work, <laughs> and uh, work. So yeah, no, I, I just got back from a from a week long uh, away away mission, <laughs> and uh, back back to it now, and uh, got plenty of day job work, plenty of modifious work to do. So uh, just uh, nose to the grindstone. How about yeah. you? I don't know how you do it. Um, well, we came back from. I was so happy on my bucket list was to go to Dollywood. That was one of my biggest bucket lists of all time. So uh, we were able to do that. I went to Nashville and. The music scene in Nashville is epic. Everything from the Grand Old Opry, where we saw the Beach Boys. It was their first time ever premiering there. So that was weird, going to the Grand Old Opry and seeing the Beach Boys at the, as the closing act. And then we even saw Leslie Odom Jr. from Hamilton fame. He, he did a one-man show with the Nashville Symphony. It was epic. And then, of course, you, you got to do the Nashville country music thing and blues. Yeah. So we saw a lot of talent. So I'm inspired. It was the mental break I need. And now I can write and talk more. So that's kind of cool. So I have to I have to ask, when you went to Dollywood and you were going through Tennessee and stuff, did you drive or did you do a bunch of flying? We drove from South Carolina because that's what we were visiting some of my friends in Lancaster. Yeah. We drove from there um, and it was the most beautiful drive. We went into this uh, Smoky Mountains. Yeah. Oh, we got to go back. We, we so want to go back yeah. and uh, spend another week there. Yeah, I did. A, I did a family trip uh, into the Smokies a couple of years ago, and it was, it was just fantastic. It was pre-COVID, but uh, it was just so it was so beautiful and so amazing that we were, were like, OK, we got to go back. <laughs> we got to go back at some point. So hopefully yeah. we'll get there, but we'll see. And Dollywood, you know, I'm actually not a Disneyland fan. I was 12 years old when I decided I never wanted to go to Disneyland again. I know how weird that sounds. I know I'm weird, but I've always wanted to go to Dollywood. And it to me is what I want out of a theme park. Great food. Lines were manageable, beautifully, beautifully manicured, good music. So um, I suggest people to go to Dollywood, too. Awesome. I think there's a Star Trek episode where they go back in time to Dollywood, if I'm correct. <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of people mad. Watching. I don't know about that one, but I will, uh, I'll defer until we're done <laughs> recording this episode. <laughs> All right. I'm just getting everyone's blood boiling because we have... We have the next, um, we're going to be recording four episodes that are of a similar theme. And what myself and Jim have been doing is exploring some of the older supplements that came out years ago. Why? Because as I can see on continuing missions, at least, and I'm sure Jim can track through social media, is we have a lot of new fans coming into the game in droves. You get to that point in science, they call it critical uh, 
critical mass. And it seems like we're on that verge of critical mass for Star Trek adventures now. Um, people coming in and asking questions because they just don't know the material that's out there. And yeah. so we decided to go back and review all the oldest material. We did the um, the command, the operations, and the science divisions. And now we're going to be doing the alpha, beta, delta, and gamma quadrant uh, supplements. Why are you laughing at me? Uh, every time you say, every time you say, uh, let, we're we're looking at the older books. Like I just twitch a little bit because I mean, literally, it's only been like four years, three years that these books have come out. But it, you're right; it's like these are older books. But it's like even though they're older, older books, that it's only been a couple of years. Uh, but you're right; like we're we're constantly getting new streams of fans and all the time. And like one of the most consistent questions we get on social media all the time that I see, uh, whether it's you know Facebook, Reddit, uh, uh, the Discord, whatever, is like you know, is X book worth it, right? That's the, that's the most common question I see. Or actually, that's the second most common question I see. The most common question is, um, you know, can I get the PDFs for free if I buy a print product? So like, I, I'm going to be answering that damn question until I die because like, yes, it's the policy. You buy the book, no matter where you buy the book, where you buy it from Amazon or a bookstore or secondhand or I mean, however you get the physical copy in your hand, Modifius will send you a free PDF. Just email them, supportmodifius.com. They will send you the PDF for free. Please stop asking. Jim, I'm in, I'm in marketing, so I'm about to solve some. Jim, I'm, I'm in marketing, so I'm about to solve something for you. Yeah. You could probably find a sticker to put on the front of every book that says that. Well, so that's the trick is that, is that yes, we we do try Modifius as a whole across all their products. Mm. They try to put stickers in every book that, that says, hey, go get your PDF code, right? Mm. What I discovered, though, is that the adding those stickers to the book adds A, cost, to get them printed and be time for the printer to put the stupid sticker inside the book before they shrink wrap it. And, and there was a period of time where I was so desperate to get the books out to, to, to fans, like the Klingon book, the Shackleton book. Uh, we were at a point because of COVID with the, with the pipeline that we just want to get these books out to the fans as soon as possible and waiting two to three weeks to put a stupid sticker in the back of the book. Okay. I'm going to solve it. <laughs> I'm going to solve it for you now. Here's how my mind thinks. Yeah. So what you're going to do is in the lower right-hand corner or somewhere on the cover, yeah. you're going to say, just bought this book, need a PDF. And it's going to take them to a QR code where they say, where they get a video of you telling what you've been telling people. Oh yeah. <laughs> QR code, man. QR code solves the sticker problem. I'll have to talk to the folks at Medifius about that. I think we tried QR codes and it didn't, something, something didn't work. I'll have to, I'll have to, I'll have to the, go. Remember, the QR code only tells them what you've been repeating. It doesn't give them yeah. the PDF. It just tells them <laughs> how to get the PDF. Just, yeah, email, email Medifius, please. Yeah, there you go. Anyway. All um, right, cool. Anyways, I, for everybody, here's the Alpha Quadrant book. Is it yes. worth it? We're going to review it and show you some of the goodies inside of it. Why don't you start us out, Jim? With yeah, for sure. So uh, this was, uh, gosh, 2018, 2019. This this was the second Quadrant book that came out. The first one came out with Beta. Beta Quadrant came out uh, 2018, shortly after the line launched in 2017, late 2017. Uh, so then the Alpha book came out. This is the second one that came out. Uh, at the time, I was the uh, the line editor. I was a writer. And I was starting to get more involved in the line development. So this is me before I became the project manager of the line. But this was this is where I cut my teeth. Like to, to really be a project manager, I was responsible for a lot of this book. Like uh, myself and Sam and a couple other folks were heavily involved in the art direction. So 
there's a lot of love for this book in me. <laughs> so I'm happy to talk about it. Anyway, so what you really care about is like, why would you buy this book? If you're a player or a game master, like what, what do you care? What, why, why would you want to pick up any of the quadrant books for that matter? Well, I'm going to uh, show you one big reason. Without, okay. A picture's a thousand words. So of course I love showing off the art sometimes. Sure. So it's worth buying purely for this piece of art right here, which scares me every single time I see it. <laughs> Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. So the, for those of you who are on audio only, it's the battle on the promenade with a bunch of Klingons fighting it out with Bajoran security forces and Starfleet officers, and one poor woman is mid disruptor blast in the back. And I saw this and I was like, wow, that's that's really raw. Yeah, yeah. Art we've uh, we've done in the line so far, and uh, I think I. I think I looked at that art when when uh, it got sent over, and I was like, I don't know if CBS is going to go with that, uh, but they approved it, and I was like, okay, we're going there. <laughs> That's cool. Oh, kind of harkens to uh, uh, what was a TNG episode, conspiracy, right, where oh. the guy's head blows up, and it's like on on screen, like, oh, that's kind of. That's beyond what Star Trek, I mean, up, up until recently, anyway. Yeah, let's pretend she had an alien in her. That You just made me feel better go. about that. So I'm going to pretend he saw an alien in her and had to handle yeah. that. There okay. Go. Good. That makes yeah, anyway, so um, one of the one of the things to keep in mind, especially those of you who are new to the line and may not understand um, how these books were coming out, is that when when these quadrant books were coming out, um, we were kind of trying to tell we we were not we weren't telling a story necessarily. We, we were trying to advance the timeline of the game gradually by uh, supplement after supplement. So the core book, of course, uh, our default year was twenty three seventy one. Which, of course, in Star Trek, there's a lot of stuff going on in 2371. You know, the uh, the Enterprise D gets blown up uh, by the uh, Dura sisters. Voyager goes missing in the in the Badlands, and uh, the DS9 things are just starting to heat up with the Dominion War, and there's tensions with the Klingons and all this stuff. So the core book is 2371 default-ish, and then the Beta Quadrant book came out, and we advanced it just a little bit, uh, but also gave a lot of backstory. With the Alpha Quadrant book, we advanced it a little further to say, okay, now now the Klingons are having this having this fight with the Federation because there's this whole civil war going on. Um, and then the Gamma Quadrant book came out that covered the Dominion War and the end of DS9. And then um, uh, 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 the Delta Quadrant book came out and that covered brought us up to the end of Voyager and Nemesis, right? So so if you look at these four books like Beta, Alpha, Gamma, Delta, we're 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 expanding the game's timeline. As we're releasing new products, um, so that that just you know think about that you know of course it's kind of not that Very important, nice. but I wanted no, to kind of like, that was our thought process as we were releasing these books, and that's why we released them in the order we released them. Um, but uh, you know, so the Alpha Quadrant me, book. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You want to say? Yeah. And so let me ask you though. No, that's important. I want to know um, for pe those people who don't know what the Alpha Quadrant is and how it's different than the Beta Quadrant. Just give us an overview of what sets the Alpha Quadrant apart in Star Trek. Oh sure. So the Alpha Quadrant uh, is pretty much the 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 main setting for Star Trek, right? Like like the you know the, the Klingons and the Romulans are from the Beta Quadrant, which is you know of course next door. Uh, but like the vast majority of the original series, Strange New Worlds, even the first two seasons of Discovery, pretty much all in the Alpha Quadrant. Like and even DS9, most of DS9. Well, yeah, most of DS9 is in the Alpha Quadrant. Some of it's in the Gamma Quadrant, a little bit in the Beta Quadrant, but for the most part, the Alpha Quadrant is the is the primary quadrant where most of the stuff in Star Trek 
happens except for Voyager, <laughs> obviously because they went off to the Delta Quadrant. So. Right. Um, but so like all the like all the movies, pretty much everything that you not everything, but the vast majority of the episodes that you've seen on screen uh, in one format or another are happening in the Alpha Quadrant. And what's so interesting? A ton of stuff to to, to get into. Yeah, and what's really interesting to to me too. If you look at the map, just type online Star Trek Quadrant map. Yep. is that the original series, Strange New Worlds, Discovery, like you were mentioning the movie area in the Alpha Quadrant, but not until Deep Space Nine do they really start exploring the Western galactic border, which is the Cardassian Empire, the Ferengis, um, Zinkefi, you know, th- all those bringing Confederacy. So there was a whole section they still hadn't got to. But by the time we do get reintroduced to um, Next Generation, of course, big time Deep Space Nine, that's the expansion to the West that's starting to have them move and meet all these different species. So, so that's kind of just, you know, the framing of it, um, of what species you're likely to meet in the Alpha Quadrant, which of course is broken down more in chapter two. So why don't you talk to us about chapter two of the Alpha Quadrant book? Yep. So the, uh, all the, all the Quadrant books are uh, structured pretty much the same. So you get a, you get a little introduction and then you get into the Quadrant itself. And the, the, this chapter two, this Quadrant description main players in that quadrant so in this case we're talking about the federation we're talking about bejor the cardassians uh the ferengi the zankathy the breen and the atholians right we try to you know pay some lip service to every one of those in some detail not not huge you know incredible amounts of detail but you know to give you a solid overview of what all these different ones are going on and so we uh you know we go into some detail about the the quadrant the history um how these species relate to each other what they think of each other uh, just trying to drop a whole bunch of, um, you know, plot hooks and lore material. So, like, I mean, sure, you could get some of this stuff off of, uh, like, Memory Alpha or something. But we try to add a lot of content in here and also bring in that kind of, like, that, that game aspect of, like, okay, well, so here's the Vorta. What could I do with the Vorta in my game, right? It's not just, like, here's what the Vorta are. It's, like, what can you do with them? Well, don't say Vorta. You're confusing people. Oh, no, this is, yeah, Vorta w- would be. Yeah. The Vorta and, well, the, the, the main, Gamma. But... We, we had to mention them because uh, yeah. at this point, in the timeline, the, the Dominion are starting to make inroads into the Alpha Quadrant. And uh, and so you need to know, so the, the founders, the Vorda and the Jem'Hadar all, are all introduced uh, within the first two seasons of DS9, right? So that's right in the wheelhouse of I, what's, what's happening here. I liked, I liked um, I'm a big fan of Waxana Troy, one of my favorite TNG characters. Yeah. And um, the Federation world provided a really good condensed version of what these planets are like because how fun is it you know if you have a betazoid character to go back to their home world and before i would have to kind of make it up or like you said go online and try to search out some details but in one spot i have everything about their physiology politics legal system telepathy culture families locations of interest i could build an entire episode off of just this background information there and it's it's done for every major species in the alpha quadrant Yep, and this was also intentional to uh, try to add more material for uh, folks that were playing characters uh, out of the core book, right? So you got you got the Betazoids, you got the Denobulans, you got the Trill, you've got the Tellarites, right? So the the four of those, uh, all four of those are in the core book, right? As as playable characters, um, even I, I think are the Vulcan. Although I think the Vulcans are in the Beta book, if I remember right. Um, and then we talk about Bajor because, of course, Bajorans are in the uh, are in the core book too. So this is just you know more lore, more meat for you to think about if you're playing a Bajoran or a Trill or a Tellarite, whatever. This is just more meat for you to to use for your character and your backstory and your role playing. 
Yep. And then you have even the cool, you know, you got the write-up for Star, Starbase Deep Space Nine in here and details about the Bajoran wormhole too. Some important yep. science to know um, if you're at that station. Um, Cardassians are covered who in my, they're one of my favorite species um, in Star Trek. I would love to see more of them. Um, yep. So really appreciate an in-depth here. Um, one of the cool things on page 40, which to me is almost like an Easter egg, but it's been done in other books too, but it has Cardassian Federation rank comparisons, which yep. I know I've had, to, I've got to use in my game. Um, and that's just so cool having little tools like this. And they're spread out all over the book, of course, things like that. Yep. Yeah. Just, I, again, just trying to give uh, some interesting, you know, bits of knowledge and lore so that you can just add it to your, to your game to make it a little bit more, um, you know, to give your character something to live into or to, to live in. So they live in the setting. So like, how do you bring those details out? Mm -hmm. So just trying to drop in little tables here and there uh, more sidebars, of course, like we usually do talk about trade and diplomacy with the dominion. Um, science you have the Maquis in here. So if people are Voyager yep. fans, there's a full two pages on the Maquis in here, which if you want to play, which we've talked a lot about the player's guide in previous shows, if you want to play an unaligned, um, non-Federation, non-Starfleet, non-Klingon, non-Romulan game, here's a good basis for your Maquis game with each paragraph could be its own adventure. You can give me each one of these paragraphs and I can create a mission brief out of it. <laughs> and <laughs> and you, you could have your own Maquis series if you wanted to because of the Alpha Quadrant book. Yeah, and, and between the uh, between the core rule book and the little sidebars about the Cardassians, and then this this whole chapter about Cardassians here, you could run a Cardassian game if you wanted to. Um, just you know, make make up some Cardassian characters, and that's what floats your boat. <laughs> then um, yeah, go for it. We had a good um, time travel episode of our game where they went back to Cardassia right before the Cardassians pushed Bajor out. Mm -hmm. So that at one time, Bajor Bajorans were all over Cardassia. It was peaceful. Yeah. Um, but at some point, Cardassia was like, nope, and they went to war. And so I was able to use a lot of this Cardassian world building in order to say, okay, what does it look like? And what are the key planets? Yep. So yep. That, that paid off. Again, it's all about, you know, the money I'm spending on this that actually pays off in endless gaming. That's all that matters to me. Nice. Uh, so we give a similar treatment to the Ferengi. We go, we go on, we give several pages on the Ferengi, the backstory, uh, some lore about them. Uh, of course, again, if you're playing Ferengi or you want to play a Ferengi, uh, you know, based campaign, by all means, you know, use this lore and, and information. I think one of my favorite bits <laughs> in the Ferengi is, uh, is the fact that we managed to write a sidebar titled Umox and You. Thank you. I'm glad you mentioned it. We, we got it through uh, through Paramount. They were okay with it. And we're like, okay, we got a whole sidebar about, uh, uh, how do you want to phrase it? Self-love. Hey, I'm all about the Umox. I tell my wife all the time watching the show, I was like, come on, I need some of that Umox. Yeah. Uh, that's so funny. That was probably one of the best inventions of Deep Space Nine was Umox. <laughs> So we got anyway we got that in there uh so even their religion you have their religion in yeah. there, the great material continuum wow. yeah so a lot, a lot of great fringy stuff in here a lot of a lot of uh, subplot hooks and potential in here for uh the sacred marketplace the tomb of grand neighbors grand niggas bork uh a lot of the different fringy worlds that we maybe heard mentioned uh so this is a place where we, we got to play a little bit and uh, and add some stuff in here uh, and then we had we had a couple of pages actually. Uh, surprisingly, uh, this is one of the cases where we had a book where we had some room to put some more stuff. And I was like, well, let's do a couple of pages on the Zenkepi because we don't really know much about the Zenkepi. 
Uh, so let's so, talk about that because they yeah. definitely are one of the more mysterious um, uh, species in Star Trek Online, I think it is. They come out as some cat-like warrior species. Am I right about that? Is that how they, uh, like a, 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 they seem like giant felines to me when, they're, uh, when they show up on, in video games. Are, are, the, are those the Kazinti? Because the, oh. the, the Zanketi and the Kazinti are two different species. There we go. Yeah, um, I'm messing so, up. You're right. No, that's okay. Uh, so the Zanketi, um, the really very little is known about them. And I think this is one of the few chapters that we've written for the entire game where we kind of kind of made some stuff up and uh, and CBS gave it the gave it the pass. And, and so some of this stuff is... Uh, Have is, we seen one on screen? Oh gosh! You know you're gonna you're gonna. It's, well, it says this. here that they have skin. No, I don't think so. From deep blues to bright pinks, and I'm like, well, they've, they've been they've been mentioned on screen, but I do not think we've seen as Zenkepi on screen yet, uh, except in uh, except in the Star Trek Online. They they've used uh, that's how we got the artwork is that we use their uh, um, ship art in the uh, in the book. Uh, okay, well, I'm gonna beg the, anybody watching this if you can send me pictures of Zenkepi, what they look like, whether, <laughs> whether it's been on screen or. Um, Video games, I, I'm curious. I like to know these things. Yeah. So we got yeah. some Zenkepi in there. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Breen as well. Of course, there's not much known about the Breen either other than what we see on DS9. So we got a couple couple chapters, or not chapters, a couple pages in there about that. Um, and then we talk about the Tholians. Of course, we know you know a little bit more about the Tholians. Of course, when this came out, the uh, the Year 5 comic series had not come out yet. And we were able to do more with the Tholians in, in that supplement than in this one. But that oh. was... Yeah. We still my my dream is to take the person Fred Love, who wrote the IDW, um, su the the supplement to the IDW Year Five series. Yeah, so much Tholian goodness in there, and my dream is to have him and the comic book writer on this show at some point. So just know that's a wish list I have, and I would love for us to go and break down the comic book Year Five and the Star Trek Adventures supplement year five, which is one of my favorites um, because the Tholian assembly became so fascinating um, to me by reading the comic and looking at Fred Love's work there. Yeah, let's make a note of that. Let's let's remember that so we can uh, do the behind the scenes stuff and make that happen. <laughs> yeah, because I, I mean, I, I love the collaboration that comics can meet this game yeah. because we know that, you know, not in every case, but people who read comics and are really into it and play RPG at the same time, there's so much great crossover there. So to have the creators um, meet from those two different genres, I think we could talk for two hours. Though I'd keep it, you know, 10 hour. I don't That'd be super cool. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, anyway, so that's, a, that's chapter two. Uh, again, a lot, of, a lot of lore, a lot of history, a lot of plot hooks and meat for you to play with uh, in terms of all these different species that inhabit the Alpha Quadrant. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we go into chapter three, which is... Uh, really focused on the players uh, this is a this is an opportunity for you to get even more species to use in your game uh so we we, we pulled a lot of different species out of uh, out of canon and uh, represent them as playable character species so you know you've got uh, the arbazon the arcarians and some of these are fairly deep cuts well you got uh, i mean let's not skip the aurelians from the animated series that was yeah. cool you had them i i was happy that you had grazerites in here Mm -hmm. um which was an episode so those are some good characters we actually pulled into our our ship that we play on we took these characters yeah fan fans of the uh, animated series will really appreciate this book because we got the aurelians the cations and the uh, edosians all in here so three three big animated series species all got all got in here with some uh, artwork 
Uh, we included the Cardassians because you know someone's going to be the first Cardassian in Starfleet. Why not? Mm-hmm. Why not your player character, right? So he, there's an opportunity, and this is also an opportunity for those of you who want to play a Cardassian game or have a Cardassian, um, you know, player character involved somehow. He can, this is our chief issue. engineer is is Cardassian on yep. our ship. The Ferengi, Grazerites, uh, Halians, Katarians. I love the Katarians because I think that that was one great episode. Uh, you know. With the with the game and uh, and Wesley and Riker and stuff, that was just a that was a hoot. <laughs> so I was glad to get the Katarians in here. As you can tell, I'm trying to remember the episode now. I'm I'm sitting here trying to remember it. As you mentioned it, are you talking about the game? The game, yeah. Where they were all addicted to the, the game. Little, yeah. With the oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. The one, the female Katarian sold it to Riker or gave it to Riker, right? Gave it to Riker, yeah, because uh, right. that was she was his latest fling or whatever, and she she used him to get the game onto the Enterprise and. Uh, Almost I thought they, they were diplomatic uh, under, I thought they were conducting diplomatic relations. <laughs> yeah, that's a good euphemism. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, the Xeranites. And uh, the Xeranites are fun because they got the, the face masks. They're, they're from Star Trek uh, 4, oh, four or 6. They're one of the background species yeah. that uh, we, we dropped in here as well. So uh, lots of, uh, so if you're a player and you want more options for, for characters, you know, that's that's your chapter. Uh, and then we move right on into chapter four. This is a starships of the Alpha Quadrant. Uh, we highlight some of those different uh, species and provide some starships. This is uh, Aaron Palea's work. Uh, as usual, he does a fantastic job writing up these uh, starships. So he created a few uh, 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 Cardassian options and some Ferengi options, some other free traders. Uh, we got some green ships in here. Well, page 90, when you talk about, I got to show page 90. This art yeah. piece with that ship, that's green. I mean... That looks like a part space station, part ship. Yeah, doesn't it? That's yeah, beautiful. Cool. Oh. Was to, did Tobias Richard do this one? You know? I don't think that's his work. I'll have to do some digging to remember who. But uh, uh, Tobias's work is more uh, CGI, like screen realistic, and this this looks like more of a piece of art. Which you know, it's a great piece of art. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think that's Tobias. I, and now it's going to bug the hell out of me that I don't remember who it is off the top of my head. But I will find the name for you and uh, tell you next episode. Yeah, really good. And then you have all the other, you have Tholian starships and a great schematic of a Nebula class starship, which which I'm digging. Yep, yep. So we, yeah, we do try to drop in that art when we can. And then we just have the room uh, to do the uh, chapter break there. Heading into chapter five, of course, which uh, chapter five in all the quadrant books is titled Encounters and Adversaries. And this is an opportunity to um, take different uh, aspects of either the part of the timeline that we're in or in the setting and just find interesting plot hooks and encounter seeds and things to do with that. So we talk about the demilitarized zone uh, between the um, the uh, Cardassians and the Bajorans and the Badlands and all that stuff, and the, you know, the Maquis. We had a bunch of uh, NPCs in here for uh, um, Maquis and Cardassians, uh, even some of the canon characters like Gullivec, uh gets in here, uh, Damar. Yeah. Like for Damar. The, yeah. And for those of you who love her, like I do, Ro Laren is in here. Ro Laren's in the Alpha Quadrant book. Yep, we got Ducat, a version of Ducat in here. Uh, Badlands, of course, we talked about a lot of Maquis. So we, I think we got um, some some stock NPCs in here. And then we got uh, uh, Roll Aaron, Rebecca Sullivan, and Cal Hudson, and uh, uh, Eddington. Of course, we couldn't, yeah. couldn't pass that. So if you want to make use of any of those NPCs in your campaign, this is the opportunity to do that because they were doing a lot of stuff uh, during those couple of years in the demilitarized zone with the Maquis in. You know, maybe one of your yeah. player characters is sympathetic to the cause. 
and uh, does some underhanded sneaky stuff. And, uh, and don't forget Thomas Riker. You got Thomas, Thomas Riker. Riker you got Thomas Riker in here. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's yeah. some really good. Uh, last time we saw him was on Deep Space Nine. So there's some. Yep. Um, as usual, the books always have, uh, the, these books will have encounter seeds. Um, and again, I can't impress it. You know, I, I write a lot. And do I, do I need these books to create a story? No. But do I love these books to create a story? Yes, because I'm taking and getting ideas and then my mind twists them and takes them in another direction. I've been enjoying watching, in fact, with all the books or modules, is seeing three or four different game masters take the same idea and have four different different you know four different endings. And mm -hmm. so you're not if you if you're including this stuff in your game you're not copying anybody. Believe me, by the time you roll dice and your players have at it, you're going to weave your own adventure. So I really use these as my prompts when mm -hmm. I'm designing the games and there's a lot of really good um really good prompts in here and and encounter seeds. Mm -hmm. Yep, yeah, uh, and, and not just prompts and encounter seeds but also uh, non-player characters. So if you're tired of Having your uh, player characters go up against, uh, you know, Ron, then or Klingons even, uh, you know, crack one of these open and uh, throw some Maquis uh, at them, throw some Zenkethi at them, you know, throw some, uh, uh, you know, mercenary Ferengi at them. I don't know, <laughs> whatever, yeah. whatever you come up with. Uh, so there's just, you know, more more options here for you to play with. You know, stock up your uh, NPC library and uh, start you know, making use of these uh, stat blocks and uh, and play with them. That's true. Actually, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that there's Nausicans in here and you always need Nausicans to toss around. So here's your, your book where the Nausicans are listed. Absolutely. And, uh, and that rounds it out. So this was a, yeah. a, a neat, uh, what, 130 odd page book. So it's a, it's a tight trim book, but full of, full of stuff. So um, it is, and we're going to hide, we're definitely going to be highlighting um, in the other three books, beta, gamma and delta. Um, again, the highlights of those books, um, got to catch them all. Maybe it you know, could be a catchphrase, but I know they've been helpful tools and we like pulling them off the shelf to remind ourselves even why, what information is in there. There's such a wealth of information that it's yeah. easy to forget. So good review of the alpha quadrant, Jim, we want to do our shout outs, uh, as per usual this week, we're going to shout out, uh, we have a sh shout out from Philip Dietz. For at ease games in San Diego, he says they treat games one, gamers wonderfully. So now I think I want to go there, and I hope they have tea for me, maybe a little <laughs> pain noir, and maybe do they give Manny Petties? I don't know, but nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna test you out on that, Philippe. So we'll see. Who do you want to shout out, Jim? <laughs> uh, you know what's funny is uh, you know looking at these books, even even though they're only you know three or four years old, when I look at the credits page. I see a lot of names of, of folks that have moved on to other horizons, right? Who, who worked with Modifius or were freelancers for a while and then moved on to other different things. And so I'll just uh, shout out to all of them and say thank you for all the work that you did that we are continuing to build on. Uh, so uh, thank you for all your, all your work and all your hard efforts. And, uh, you know, I can never say it enough, Michael, but thank you to the fans, right? They've been with us for, for five, five years, going on six years now. And they're still, you know, um, enjoying the game, buying the books, uh, you know, supporting the game uh, with all the online stuff that they're doing, whether it's, uh, you know, material or videos or whatever. And uh, we, you know, we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't have fans. So thank you so much to the fans. We're doing this for you. We love you. Uh, hope you love the books. Uh, clearly you, you do because we're still here <laughs> doing, yeah. doing more and more. And uh, so, yeah, thanks to the fans and thanks to all the previous uh, 
Midifius uh, family who uh, who worked on these books with us back in the day. I'm going to close down with one of the reasons I think the books are keep getting better in quality is because Jim, you and Modifius keep dragging the fans in to participate in the creative process. So we honestly, there's no need to sit around and complain because you work hard enough. And, you know, uh, we have we we have episodes about how to write better and and all that. We've spoken about that. That it's a participatory process. We all want the game product to keep coming out and have a community grow and grow. So Modifius and yourself, Jim, again, inviting the fans in to make the quality content is so awesome. Un- I mean, just unlike anything I've ever seen before in my yeah, and experience. You're absolutely right, Michael. And on that note, I'll say, you know, if there's a if there's a a, a person new to the line who who might want to write for the line, drop me a note. Let me know. Because like I've got a bunch, like a bunch of our writers, as notably Michael, it started off as a fan of the game yeah. and got involved and got involved and, and eventually got got roped into doing a whole bunch of work for the line. So uh, you know, if Michael, well, you know, Michael can do it. There's a, there, I got a whole bunch of name, a whole bunch of writers on my uh, in my uh, in my writer um, in my writers room for Star Trek Adventures that that started off as fans. Uh, so you know, don't hesitate to like if. Not, not to be negative like if you read one of our books and you say god that sucks i could do better <laughs> and, we'll see, and we'll see but hopefully you approach it a little bit more professionally than that and, uh, and say hey you know i really like your books i really enjoy the line i want to work for you blah 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 go go watch the other uh episodes about how to be a good freelancer yeah, um, yeah I, i'm always open to new voices and uh, i am i am so excited that uh I'm in a position where I can give folks opportunities to get published and to, and to write Star Trek. So it's a confidence to- booster, really. Yeah. You know, I have to say, you know, too, that um, it builds confidence for writing other things or submitting to other work. And it just like we talked um, a couple of weeks ago, it just looks so cool when you can put on your LinkedIn that you wrote something <laughs> for a Star Trek IP product. You know, it just looks really good. It's a yeah. great conversation starter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, thanks, Jim. Um, and again, we'll we'll be going over the other books in more detail uh, later. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Continuing Conversations. Yep. Thank you, everybody, as always. Uh, live long and prosper. Be safe. Be well. IDIC. IDIC. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.